Good morning, listeners. My name is Hannah Najia. I'm an eighth grader at Twain Middle School, and today we'll begin our deep dive into the controversy over psychoanalysis. Okay, so first off, what exactly is psychoanalysis? Most people haven't heard the term, until now, of course. Immediately, some may associate it with psychology, psychopathy, and possibly sociopathy, and in a way, they'd be right. Merriam-Webster Dictionary's definition of psychoanalysis is a method of analyzing psychic phenomena and treating emotional disorders that involves treatment sessions during which the patient is encouraged to talk freely about personal experiences and especially about early childhood and dreams or, in other words, as a therapeutic way of analyzing and treating individual psychological issues. For those of you who have heard the term, you must know about Sigmund Freud, the founder of psychoanalysis. We'll talk a little more about him a little later. He said that psychoanalysis refers to the theory of how the mind works and the treatment. But keep in mind, pun not intended, the subject of psychoanalysis is still developing as the brain is still a puzzle we are yet to solve. Alright, a couple more points to mention. There is a lot of diversity in psychological therapies and treatment, but a couple things remain the same throughout any belief. One, unconscious motivation. Most people are influenced by wishes, dreams, fantasies, etc. 2. We are contradictory to changing. Most people believe that one cannot change but remain the same way psychologically. Of course, the point of psychoanalysis is to find the source of those thoughts, remove them, and help the individual change. 3. Therapeutic relationships are key in analyzing an individual. 4. Both the conscious and unconscious mind are in play. Our actions and psychological processes influence our behavior. And finally, 5. An individual's past is just as important as their present. Now, a lot of you may be wondering what disorders are analyzed. For the most part, it's self-destructive behavior but other disorders include generalized anxiety, depression, phobias, identity disorders like multiple personality disorder, MPD, and obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. I must emphasize psychoanalysis is not commonly used to treat psychopathy, criminal psychopathy, antisocial personality disorder, APD, or commonly known as sociopathy. that out of the way, let me share some terminology and vocabulary that may or may not appear throughout the podcast, and then we can go into detail about the psychoanalytic process. Some words to remember are transference, a phenomenon in which a patient unconsciously directs feelings or desires towards an important figure in his life, such as a parent, onto the analyst or therapist, like a patient directing feelings of hatred and anger towards an abusive father. Countertransference. Countertransference are the feelings that the patient evokes in the therapist. 
countertransference can help the analyst or therapist develop a better understanding of their patient. For example, if the analyst or therapist feels angry towards their patient for no particular reason, they could draw out the effect their patient has on others. Projection Projection is a defense mechanism by which a person displaces their own feelings onto a different person or object, like a bully projecting their own struggle with self-esteem onto another. done. But don't go. The show's not over. It's almost time for us to go over Freud versus Jung. But first, let me go over the psychoanalytic process. The main goal of psychoanalysis is to release repressed feelings and desires. Talk therapy is the most used form of therapy when using psychoanalysis. A patient will sit down with their analyst and discuss their past and present. The analyst will then draw facts and knowledge of their patient and use it to treat them. Let's go over the main components of psychoanalytic therapy. The first one is interpretation. Interpretation is also known as the verbal communication by the therapist or analyst on the theory of the patient's unconscious conflict. Or, in other words, it's the analyst telling their patient what they think they have and bringing to light the actions the patient may have taken due to said conflict. It's also time to interpret and analyze any defensive impulses the patient may show. The second part is transference analysis, a time for the analyst to really listen to their patient and focus on where they direct their attention to, like an abusive father figure. The analyst may take such behavior as a form of defense. The analyst will also briefly drive into the patient's past. The third part is technical neutrality. Following the transference analysis, where the patient has been directing the analyst to a certain person, place, or unconscious side, technical neutrality must kick in. This is merely when the analyst doesn't take a side in the patient's unconscious conflict. The fourth and final part is countertransference analysis. Remember this vocab word? Quick refresher. Countertransference are the feelings the patient evokes on the analyst or therapist. While countertransference analysis refers to the analyst's complete emotional reaction to the patient and whatever the patient presents. Of course, this has to follow technical neutrality, otherwise the analyst's findings would be biased. Alright, let's take a breather and review before we go into the great Godzilla fight. We know there's a lot of diversity when it comes to psychoanalysis, but a couple things remain the same. The highlight being the fact that our behavior is influenced by past events, experiences, and childhood. We also know that psychoanalysis is due to treat self-destructive behavior and not psychopathy or APD. And we just went over the psychoanalytic process. Okay, it's time for the segment I will call Sigmund Freud versus Carl Jung. These two were the founders of psychoanalysis and they even worked together at some point. Let's start with Freud. Freud was an Austrian psychoanalyst and the very first. He came up with the ideas like repression, which means he believed that some painful thoughts were locked up in his patient's mind. But Freud's claim to fame is his development of the idea of consciousness. 
he created a sort of iceberg diagram where the unconscious and subconscious are underneath the water and the conscious is above the water. Whether the consciousness is within the consciousness is the ID, the ego, and the superego. Freud believed in the personal unconscious, where each unconscious mind is entirely unique and separate from another. Let's go over the ID, the ego, and the superego, also known as the psyche, where the ID represents instincts, the ego represents reality, and the superego represents morality. ID is separated into two different instincts, named after two gods. Eros being the life instinct which helps survival like respiration and eating habits, and Thanatos being the death instinct, which are destructive forces like when projected outwards can be viewed as aggression, rage, or violence. Freud believed that Eros was stronger than Thanatos, enabling people to survive rather than self-destruct. This is something to mention, because the self-destructive behavior treated with psychoanalysis is an example of Thanatos. The ego develops from the ID during infancy. The goal of the ego is to satisfy the ID, or the instincts, in a socially acceptable and safe way. Since it follows the reality principle, it operates in both the unconscious and conscious mind. The superego develops during childhood when the child identifies with the same gender parent. Note this point. This is where some of the controversy, controversy comes into play. The superego is responsible for ensuring moral standards are followed. Since it does follow the morality principle, it motivates us to behave in a socially acceptable and responsible manner. That's just the basic idea of Freud's psyche. But before we put them against each other, let's go over Carl Jung. Carl Jung was a Swiss analytic psychologist who developed the idea of introversion, extroversion, and analytic psychology. In 1907, Jung worked closely with Sigmund Freud, but five years later they broke off their work together because Jung challenged Freud's beliefs that sexuality was the basis of human motivation. Remember that point about the superego I mentioned? And in my personal opinion, Jung was right. He thought that although sexuality could be one part of motivation, other factors like love and protection are included. Both Freud and Jung believed in the power of the unconscious, but Jung's idea was a little different. Let's take a quick look at that. Jung still believed in the ego, but instead of the idea and the superego, he believed in the personal unconscious and the collective unconscious. To Jung, the ego represents the conscious mind as it comprises of thoughts, emotions, and memories the individual is aware of. The ego is mostly responsible for the feelings of identity and continuity. The personal unconscious is roughly the same as Freud's, Freud's unconscious. Jung outlined a key feature of the personal unconscious called complexes, which are collections of thoughts, attitudes, memories, and feelings that focus on a single concept. The collective unconscious is a universal version of the personal unconscious, like mental patterns that remain the same from human to human. Wow, 
That's a whole lot of information. I'll give you a minute to recollect yourself. All right, let's review the main controversial points and which psychoanalyst had the better idea. controversial topic that both Freud and Jung explored was the idea of motivation. We know that Freud went out of his way to emphasize the sexuality and sex-based motivation influence behavior and actions, while Jung challenged the idea with the fact that there are way more motivations that influence behavior, like a mother's love and sense of protection for her child that influences her to keep her child safe. Of course, I'm sure everyone can agree that Jung had a better idea on this one. The second major controversial point to mention are the two different ideas of the psyche. Although the first two parts, the ego and the personal unconscious, are similar, the idea of the collective unconscious is the largest difference between Freud and Jung. While Jung did believe in the idea that some mental patterns were shared by all humans, Freud didn't. While some may argue that yes, every mind is unique, but if we didn't share some traits, then we would never be able to understand even the smallest thing about ourselves. Thus, I do believe that Jung wins this one. So, we can conclude that Jung had a better idea when it came to the psyche and motivations, but Freud's work is just as important to note as he is the literal founder of psychoanalysis. just the basic rundown. Of course there are more specifics and some exceptions, but at the end of the day it all boils down to analysts helping their patients. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Controversy over Psychoanalysis, but I must ask you to not try and psychoanalyze your friends and family. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Join us next time for a deep dive into psychological studies with psychoanalysis versus psychology. Thank you so much for tuning in.